What is up? The Sixth Man Extra, and we're back with Fans Corner, the third instalment, but it's not UK. We're going international. Say hello bon- or bonjour to my man Benoit. How you doing, man? Bonsoir à tous. Yeah, I'm doing really well. Uh, thanks for having me. Look at that. Already outdoing us, you know, bilingual, bilingual. I just want um, to hear more of Alex's French. That's that's what I'm here for. Go yeah, on, Alex, give exactly. us some more. C'est bon. <laughs> I'm not even going to get into it. Um, a little bit of background about our third guest. Benoit, we're going to be talking about the Spurs, but how I met Benoit is on study abroad at Oklahoma University. That's where Benoit actually did his degree. Um, he was working at the clubhouse at the time. And I don't know how we met. Um, maybe you can speak more about that. But obviously, I want to transition into like how we met and also like just talk about how you got into basketball uh, and where your career started from like when you were a young, a young guy growing up in France and how that transitioned. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think we met in a party, probably. I was working in the clubhouse, but the first time we met was probably in one of those international parties at uh, Oklahoma. Shout out to OU. Uh, so, yeah, like how I got started into basketball. So I got started into basketball really late uh, compared to uh, other players here in France that, you know, going to uh, big leagues or just to play professional basketball here. But um, I got started into like when I was 10 or 11. So basically my dad is a big, like a huge sports fan. And you will get every day these uh, sports newspaper called L'Equipe. And would have articles right about every single sport and obviously Tony Parker was starting to do big things in the NBA so the basketball article was getting bigger and bigger and so I started to, to read it and to learn more about the game and about Tony Parker I got really interested about it and after that I just saved pocket change money to buy like my first sports magazine like basketball magazines called reverse magazines and in France that was pretty much the only magazine we had about uh, and the NBA and so every month I would just save my pocket change and just buy it. And that's when I discovered the uh, AI, you know, Alan Iverson. Hey, the answer. And like, that's my boy. Uh, the NBA. So it was, it was really like mind blowing to me. And I got really into it. And basically, um, got into my high school team. From there, uh, I actually went into like a sports team. You know, in France, it's probably the same in the UK, but in France, uh, high school teams actually are not that good. And you have to go into clubs to compete uh, at a high level. Um, and so since I'm like very passionate, when I get into something I'm really enjoying, I was practicing every single day, going out to the playgrounds every weekend, uh, literally day and nights practicing. And so I got into like, um, you know, very good teams early on. And then they will put me in like higher divisions. So basically we had, I don't know, a division from, you know, uh, 10 to 13 years old and then from 14 to 17 and then 17 to 20 etc and then seniors teams and so basically i'll play for um like 10 to 13 but also for the 13 to 17 and i'll just bench be bench uh, a bench player for the seniors teams uh, so that's how i got really like a lot of game time a lot of exposure a lot of experience um, and basically after that, I went to South of France to play professional basketball for a year and a half, like two seasons, um, like at the end of the high school. After that, uh, I went to the U.S. So I, it was like a, a dream come true. I always wanted to go to the U.S. 
ever since I uh, purchased that first basketball magazine, I was like, I need to go to the U.S. I mean, obviously, like, I wanted to go to the NBA. Didn't make it, but at least I went to, uh, to college there. It was really fun. Um, I went for three, three seasons in California, played for the Inter College there, and it was an amazing experience, uh, truly an amazing experience uh, compared to what we do in France in terms of, uh, obviously, the infrastructure of the teams, the stadiums, uh, everything around basketball players. Uh, this, it's just like in terms of treatments, trainings, everything is amazing. And uh, unfortunately, after three seasons, I got injured and um, really a bad, like a bad back injury. I was almost paralyzed. So after that, I came to France and uh, I was like, okay, I'm probably going to be you know, out for a while. So I did the recovery process. At the end of the recovery process, even though I was still, you know, wanting to, to go back to play basketball, I just decided to, to pursue um, other things and just go back to uh, to the U.S. to finish my education, and then uh, now I'm a consultant, so it's like a completely different world. Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, I still miss uh, basketball, and I enjoy watching the NBA, watching French leagues, uh, Euro leagues, and so yeah, still still a huge basketball fan. I know when we were at OU, and this is what I want you to talk about on the pod is during your journey. Uh, you played against some familiar faces uh, yeah, in yeah. France. Can you can you briefly speak about that? Yeah. So, um, well, in Paris, obviously, there's a lot of very very good talent. Uh, it's similar to what we do in football. It's like if you look at the French national teams, I would say like 70% of the players are from Paris or you know the Parisian era, like uh, whether it's a yeah. suburb, actual Paris. And so in basketball, it's the same thing, right? Uh, and since I was born and raised in Paris. Um, like during the summer and even during clubs, like uh, clubs, you know, like divisions, national divisions, uh, I used to play against really good players like Evan Fournier, which was a freaking, like I never seen a guy play that well. When I was younger, he was dominating, putting 40 points every time. Like it was insane. And I remember one game actually against Evan Fournier. Uh, it was, it was crazy. So basically he used to play with the seniors teams when he was 15. In, in Nanterre, and basically um, I was, you know, on like the, like 13 to 16 team, and he just came back one time to just, you know, play a game, and never played with their, you know, their team, and he came with 40, game winner, and like just, it was insane to watch it, like honestly, and so that was that was one player. I, when I was young, I was like, I need to, I need to get to to his level, right, like. He done something different. I need to get to his level. So he was really motivated to see this. And did you did you guard him, Benoit? No, no, I didn't guard. You him. didn't want to check into the game. Yeah, no, I was a point guard, so like it was my job. But I, I never realized how big Fournier was um, until you watch a Magic game. You don't never realize how big he is because you just see an image of him and you don't think he's that big. But he's a big fella, six seven. Like he's a lot bigger than I thought he was. Definitely big and. Obviously, like his strong suit back in the day was uh, driving into the paint. It was in, like you could not stop him. Like, he was he was an okay shooter, but not as good as today. But back in the day, like he could drive every single time. Like his first step was insane. I don't know, it was just something different. And yeah, during the summer, we also play like in in basically in France. We have those summer camps, basketball summer camps. Um, and basically, I used to go there every every single every single year, 
And um, during those camps, I played against, uh, you know, Thomas Hurtel, Thomas Hurtel. Uh, we played in NBA, but now in Spain in Europe. Also, Aurélie Gobert, uh, which, uh, like, last time I saw him, he was definitely another, another player. He was so fucking skinny, and, like, honestly, he was, I don't know, seven-something, but extremely skinny, could barely move, like, um, and he was getting dunked on by, by a lot of people in the gym, but... Obviously, he, he tried his best to block everybody. He was getting dunked on back then, but now probably one of the best uh, defensive player of the year, Jazza Rowland. Defensive player uh, in the NBA at the moment, so yeah. So you obviously made the transition from um, European basketball, then you went to play basketball mm -hmm. in America. I'm very intrigued when you go across continent, um, sort of how the step up was compared to compared from one level to another. I was watching actually Gilbert Arenas talk a little bit about Luka Doncic and saying how in the European game it's actually much more fundamentally sound, but then when you get to an American game or the NBA, it's a lot more um, it's a lot more athletic. There's a lot more athleticism that comes into it. So what was the comparison that you found going from a European game to a uh, an American game, so to speak? For sure, for sure. Speed and strength. I mean, obviously in, in Europe, we were big on ball movements sound defensive principles uh, in the US when I was playing in college they just run they outrun you like it's insane whether it's practice or it's games they just run you know and especially in California the team I played they were just running everywhere and the boys were athletic as you said like they would jump out of the roof they could not shoot the ball but <laughs> they would just get every freaking rebound and they would just be so much more athletic than I was because I was definitely a, a typical European player. Uh, I would say smart, but uh, skinny, make really good passes, but I didn't like to defend much. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was quite difficult at the beginning to, to get used to the American system. Um, I was not expecting that big of a jump in terms of speed and athleticism. Um, so let's get to your beloved Spurs. So you spoke a little bit about um, getting into the basketball and from layer keep. I mean, I love layer keep as well. Uh, one of the famous things they do in football is they have the rare 10 out of 10 uh, result for a player in a football game. I think they've only ever given it to seven or eight players, a 10 out of 10 performance, which, which I love. Um, so you mentioned that it's Tony Parker and that the first way that you got into Spurs. So Yeah, so first was definitely Tony Parker. Um, but what really got me into basketball was AI, honestly. Because um, yeah. when you're young, you want to see flashy plays, right? You, you want to see someone that's going to cross everyone, that's going to score. Uh, he did try and get cornrows, did you? What did you say? He did try and get the cornrows, no? No, no, no. I, didn't <laughs> I definitely had uh, baggy jeans and long, um, you know, shirts and sweaters, whatever. Yeah, definitely. But uh, I didn't go with the cornrows, no. Uh, but yeah, AI was, was huge. Like, I was a huge fan of AI. Uh, so, first, I was a Sixers fan. And then, um, as I got into basketball, I realized, uh, well, like, the, the Spurs are really good. And the way they play basketball, I just enjoy watching it. Uh, like, fundamental, like, you know, like, as I, as I said before, right, Europe, it's, like, very similar to European teams. Yeah. Ball movement. Sound defensive principles, and also I like the franchise. The, the way that they recruit players based on mm -hmm. uh, character and attitude, and not just based on you know their stats in college or in, in Europe, whatever they wherever the player is coming from. I just like the way they recruit and develop players 
you know, you saw it with Kawhi, you see it now with DeJounte Murray or with any other players. They, they don't get, you know, high draft picks except one guy and, like, yep. arguably one of the best power forward of all time. But um, we'll talk about, about it later, I'm sure. But, yeah, like, I, I just enjoy watching the Spurs. It was, in, like, you know, not a flashy team. And, honestly, Tony Parker brought – uh, a lot of lights to the team. And like when I was younger, obviously, I'm sure you guys did as well. Uh, we had those daily zap online, right? Daily yeah. zap top 10. We've spoken about this before, yeah. Yeah, we, we yeah, spoke so about like, it with uh, Ultra. Yeah, yeah. Like, we couldn't watch the games, right? Because you're, we're in Europe. So we couldn't watch the games. So like the next morning or after school, you just watch your daily zap. And obviously on daily zap, you, you see big plays. On the top 10, you see big plays. You would not see the Spurs much, honestly. So, <laughs> The only time you'll see the Spurs is if Tony Parker got a rebound and went coast to coast with a spin move. The spin <laughs> layup. The spin layup. Yeah, where exactly. he brought it. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, since, since then, I've been following the, the Spurs and uh, really uh, enjoy uh, watching them. Obviously, they're playing really well um, when, when I started to watch them. But uh, even now, I, I really enjoy watching them. I think they got a, a solid team. We are going to ask you some quick fire questions about the Spurs. Uh, just want some input on. Yeah, just to really see how much you know your team, considering you moved from, okay. from Philly. Uh, but yeah, so the, the Spurs go. Who do you think is the greatest oh, wow. Spur of all time? Oh, wow. So, even though I, I like to say Tony Parker, uh, it's hard to argue against, uh, you know, Timmy. It's hard to argue against Timmy. Like, the boy got five rings, uh, I think three MVPs, final MVPs two MVPs and like like I said before arguably the best power forward of all time so definitely the the Spurs goat and I think he's gonna be for, for a while yeah I mean it's as you said very very hard to argue against Tim Duncan um but now a bit more personal to you who's been your favorite player so not necessarily the best but a player that's that's stuck out to you or that's got a special place in your currently heart. or just in general time. overall yeah so I yeah Obviously, like Tony Parker was huge, but actually the best, the player I enjoyed watching the most when I watched the Spurs, um, it was going to sound very odd, but um, I really enjoyed watching him a lot. It was Boris Diaw when he was playing for the, he didn't play for the Spurs for that long, but man, I miss Boris Diaw playing for the Spurs. He had such a good playoff run and I just feel like he fits so well with the team. Like he's just a Spurs guy. Like you just, I just, I wish we uh, we got him earlier, but um, probably one of the best uh, player, like probably one of the players I enjoy watching the most. Yeah, he got drafted by Atlanta and then went to Phoenix, and he was the MIP in, in Phoenix, the most improved player. Nasser Watts uh, got him. Yes. Really, uh, you know, the Paris boy as well. Yeah, Paris boy. Yeah, they're, they're, everyone's from Paris. He he also popped up in that. Tony Parker doc, uh, and Doc, if you've seen it, Benoit, I'm sure you have, on Netflix, it's just dropped. And um, yeah, yeah. they obviously played um, from a young age and now. But I think where he really stood out for me, Boris Diaw, was that finals against the Heat where you guys, the ball movement was insane. And he was nice. really, I would, he was one of the catalysts. Um, he was a big guy who was mobile, can put the ball on the floor, can pass yeah. So yeah, that's a that's a really really good pick. Yeah, so I think, I think you're right. And um, as you said, like I will just um, tell you something because 
obviously you, you guys probably watched the Tony Parker uh, Netflix documentary and you saw that Boris Diaw and Tony Parker were playing together. So I'll just explain to you how it works kind of in France. So we have this, this INSEP. So it's basically a big campus for Olympic sports. And so the best player in France in basketball, they go there. Um, and actually the, the best athletes in France that compete in the uh, Olympic sports go there. And that's where, that's why you saw like Tony Parker, uh, Ronnie Churyaf, Boris Diaw, uh, a lot of other guys actually make it, made it to the NBA. Um, Johan Petro and all, all the guys, um, they were from INSEP. And so Evan Fournier went there. I mean, pretty much, Rudy Gobert didn't go there, but pretty much every NBA player uh, went there. Interesting question, I think, is who do you think is the most overrated player in Spurs history? So, okay. I think that the most overrated player in Spurs history will have to be Robert Horry. Oh, Big Shot Rob. Okay, explain. Big Shot Rob. Yeah, like, honestly, we expected big things out of him. And I think he's just, he's a good player. He made Big shots, obviously made some big shots for the Spurs. Uh, you know, checked uh, Steve Nash uh, with his shoulder, whatever. Like, he made some big plays, important plays for the Spurs. But I just think as as a player, he was just way, way overrated. Like, now we consider, like, some people consider him as one of the best players of all time because he got a lot of rings. But he was just lucky. He was in a really good team in Houston, a really good team in L.A., then went to the Spurs. And... I just expected more out of him when we recruited him, and he made some big shots, but uh, I don't think he was as good as we expected him to be. I think I think he's just a perfect example of knowing your role. I don't think he overstepped his role just just where he was. I think then he gets to the point where because of his rings, people then overrate him, where they say, oh, he was one of the key elements. Well, I guess you could say he was, but it wasn't the sort of number one or number two option. Um, to flip it on the other side, who's someone that you feel is very underrated for their time in San Antonio? Yeah, I mean, I just talked about uh, Boris Diaw. I think he was just an like, underrated player. Obviously, he's so versatile. Can pass the ball, can post up, can shoot. Very good team player. And uh, you saw him, like, play defense on LeBron and lock him up. And, like, very important in, in key plays during the playoff, you know, during the finals. So definitely a very underrated player because he's a team first kind of guy. So you're not going to see flashy uh, stats when, when you're not going to see flashy plays except maybe like a, a really nice pass. Yeah. But he just makes the, the right play at all times. And definitely uh, the most underrated player in his first, uh, first, yeah, in his first history probably. Yeah, I would say so. I love that. I love that about the Spurs. The next player up somebody everybody always steps up in their role and mm. you know that's instilled from pop with the spurs this is a personal favorite question of mine is what is your all-time starting five point guard free to center do, do i get a, a six man since you guys are you can't no, yeah no one's asked for it before we can give it to you yeah we know who that would be. We all know who the ultimate six man is. <laughs> Actually, you might be surprised. But... <gasps> okay, so starting five, um, point guard, I'll have to go with Tony. TP, uh, as a two guard, I'll go with Manu. Manu Ginobili. And then uh, three, I'll go with Kawhi. 
Yeah, I'll go with Kawhi. Four, I'll definitely go with uh, Tim Duncan. And at center, I will go with David Robinson. And six man, it's kind of tough actually. Six man, I'll go with uh, with Bruce. Bruce Bowen. Bruce yeah. Bowen. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll go with Bruce Bowen to provide some defense. If you need to lock up somebody, you got you got Bruce and Kawhi. It's like nobody, like nobody can score on you. If you got Tim and, and David Robinson in the post, so that's luck. Yeah, that's a lock up. I feel there is one person missing. Iceman. Where's Iceman? Where does Iceman fit, fit into I all know, this? I know, I know. I've never watched him play, so it's hard for yeah, me. Yeah, that is true. Okay, that Durf, is true. Yeah. You know, Gervin is like an amazing player. Obviously, I saw highlights, but yeah, it's difficult for me to put him in, uh, in starting five. Completely understandable. Yeah, makes sense. I'm surprised you're not salty about Kawhi, that you put him in there. But yeah, fair enough. Come on. Yeah, you can, yeah. I mean, Kawhi, yeah, I was yeah. as salty as One you, Alex. Yeah. I was so salty, honestly. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's hard to see one player in the Spurs that does that. Obviously, like I said before, we recruit based on character and attitude, and this guy just goes wild because of his uncle and all that. So I, w- I was really salty for, for a minute. We're going to move from the past and go to the present and talk about your current roster. Spurs, obviously rolling back the years this this season they're having a really good year they're one of ed's teams that he picked um so he's extremely happy with the uh, question i want to ask you is who do you think is the most valuable on that team right now the most valuable player i think will have to be Dejounte murray because yeah. he's so like i said he's so uh, versatile like he can play on both hands of the floor really provide some good defense a good pick and roll player um uh, his shooting is not there quite yet, but I think um, he's the most valuable player. Point guard is, is always so important for the Spurs. I mean, you got uh, Tony Parker, Avery Johnson. We got some really important players, and I think they're a key piece in the system that we're playing. Um, so, yeah, definitely uh, Dijonte Murray. We've had this question before on the show, and we're wondering, out of all the Spurs players, who would be the one that you'd love to go on a night, night out with? Well, You've got to be current roster. You can't be choosing yeah. Morris or Tony. <laughs> or, or Tim right Duncan. Yeah. So, okay, if, if Tim I go Dunk. out... Yeah, no, that'd be quite fun, actually. If I go out, I'll definitely... There has to be a, a likeable guy and somebody that, that likes to party and, you know, can get you into any any place you want to go in. You know? So I think... Uh, yeah, I think the more the Rosa will be the best in that, in that role. I mean... Well-known NBA player from LA, LA boy. SC. Exactly. So if you want to go party, like just pull up the Martha Rose and I think he's your boy. And I think he could be a, like he's a nice guy. I mean, I think he could be a very nice guy. Um, could have some great conversation. So yeah. I'd, I'd also back him in a fight. Like if things went bad, yeah. I don't, you're not messing with the Rosen. Yeah. Definitely not. Speaking of fights, if you're on the team and you're you're fighting for, for position or for playing time, which player would you fight most likely to fight with on the on the mm. current roster? Okay, for playing time or just in general? Because it could be it could be either, either. Okay, I think in general, I think I'll I'll really get into it with Marcus Aldridge. Funny, <laughs> 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 but he's a big guy. He'll probably. Kill me, but 
He's a Texas boy. He's also Texas. Texas. Like that's that's what I was gonna say. That right? We went to oh, you're a Texas boy. He's really sluggish, slow. I think sometimes he can, you know, give it give you that vibe of like he's unmotivated. So if I see this during practice, I'll definitely go at him. Um, I don't know. I think he's just sluggish, and I think I'll definitely get into him uh, at practice. Final question for the current roster. Who is a non-All-Star that you would like to see the Spurs trade for? Who's maybe that last key piece that maybe gives them a nice little push? And it's two guys I really want the Spurs to get. First one will be... Um, Don't you dare say anyone from the Magic, but go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Evan Fournier can come. I mean, obviously, uh, that'll be great. But I think I'll recruit... Two guys, like two non-All-Stars, actually current non-All-Stars that I would like to recruit and get uh, in the Spurs. That would be Jaron Jackson Jr. Triple J. So much, again, versatility, defensively, offensively, can shoot the ball, can, can post you up, can either hey, get a really nice mid-range. He's long, and really good defense. He's a smart player. And I think it fits into the, the Spurs mold, right? Like, he's got a good character, good attitude. He's a Michigan State boy. So, definitely my, my yeah, definitely my, my first pick in terms of um, non-All-Star player I would like to get um, in the Spurs. Second one, I think it's going to be an All-Star this year. And uh, it's evident. And I think it's Jalen Brown. Mm, I just killer. I, I love him. I love him so much. And I think... Um, I remember the draft nights of Jalen Brown. Actually, I was with Alex, and um, and I was like, "Oh, Jalen Brown is gonna be he's gonna be an all star. He's gonna be a, like a superstar. He's he's got that uh, you know that fire in him." And I, I actually told you. I don't know if you remember. I told you like no, this, there is also another player. No, but there's another player that we. So me and Ben were used to watch games together, and he was like. There's a player that you need to watch. He's gonna be amazing the next in the next level. He's gonna make it, and he's having a really good year this year. And that is De'Aaron Fox. You always yeah. used to go on about it because that was that was the year when Fox and Malik Monk were the backcourt for Kentucky. Kentucky, yeah. yeah. yeah they, they've got a really big team, but Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown is is definitely an all-star. I would like to recruit. I'm definitely not the only one that <laughs> like that. A really good defensive player is kind of. I don't know. I feel like he could be a franchise player. Right? He could carry a team. Obviously, he's with Jason Tatum now, so it's very difficult. But in any team, he could be that guy. You're, you're, you're sick from the West when we're currently recording right now. So, in, in all fairness, you guys are doing a lot better, especially in a tough Western Conference. So, what has gone well for the Spurs this year? Well, it's quite difficult for me to say, honestly, because I, I haven't watched too many games but um i think the lonnie walker has a really um, good start of the season kind of got the spurs into it uh demar de rosen is still providing a lot of values uh, in terms of scoring um lamarcus aldridge got injured i, I believe in like it's been what, a week two weeks can we talk about yeah, how reason, i think yeah i was just going to say lamarcus aldridge for a big man grabs no rebounds and that's yeah. why I would be fighting him. How are you grabbing like one or two boards? That's what I'm saying. He, he, he's always in the mid range. Like he's kind of he's kind of sluggish. He shoots away from obviously like he's a shooter, so he get threes and mid range shots. But 
I think he doesn't have that will. Like, I just feel like he's a lazy guy. Like, it's just my opinion. I, I'm probably wrong, but I just feel like he's a lazy guy. And I, I hate to play with, with players uh, like that, right? Like a big man that can't jump that high and can't get any rebounds. Um, but um, Jakob Poto has been killing it uh, during his absence, right? He's uh, grabbing like 10 boards a game, maybe like two blocks a game. Um, the little issue is, uh, with him is, is not that good of a shooter. Uh, like his free throw percentage, I believe, are it's like 50% or 60%, so quite quite terrible. Um, and I don't know if we can um, if we can groom him, like if we can actually develop him as a as a shooting big man, because it's so important in 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 nowadays league to to have a big man that at least can shoot mid range. Um, the exception is probably Rudy Gobert. At the moment, uh, the Jazz are killing it, but this guy can still uh, not shoot mid range. So, but I think uh, we'll have to to develop his, his shooting game uh, in order for us to to to, um, to be a really good team in the next couple of years. Because so important, big big men's obviously are, are a huge um, piece of the Spurs system. Um, I mean, you saw it was David Robinson, Tim Duncan. So, it's going to be important. Yeah. To get one, Boris yeah, of course. <laughs> um, good. That's that's a fair point actually, because I remember at the start of the season looking at sort of first couple of weeks. That's the first time I looked at the Spurs, and one of the key things I picked up was last year. I think they had one of the lowest, they were one of the lowest rated teams in terms of pace, and this year that's picked up a lot. And I think it helps when you've got Jakobelt running instead of Lamarcus Aldridge, and you can run the floor and create those transition buckets, which you're switching from uh, Aldridge and DeRozan team to a. Uh, all the young guys we just mentioned, team, and there's definitely a lot more energy and it fits the system a lot better. And it's quite, you made a good point, actually. It feels like Pertle is a complete opposite to what Aldridge is as a, as a big man. So it's a lot more high intensity, um, high energy, um, goes to the bar, go to the basket. Um, I'm not sure about Pertle's defense yet. I can't say I've seen too much of it, but that'll be an interesting development for, the big, for him as a big man. Um, mm. In terms of the other side, what has been some things that haven't gone well for the Spurs? Uh, really good question. I don't think I have a, an answer made up right now. Um, I haven't watched too many games, as I said, uh, unfortunately this season. And um, but I think um, I think players like I was expecting more out of uh, Lonnie Walker. Um, I, I thought when we drafted him that he, I, mean, I, I think it was in Miami, right? And yeah, I saw a couple of games in Miami, and I was like, well, he's, he's going to be a pretty good player, like. Um, a really good role player for the Spurs, somebody that can shoot and maybe play some good defense. And I don't think he's he's developing as fast as um, as, as I wanted. So, in terms of uh, development, I think we didn't do that good of a job with him. Maybe it's because there's also a lot of young players on the roster, and so we haven't been able to really develop him as much as we did with other young players, like you know Kawhi or. That's that's the thing though the expectation and something Kawhi was a late first rounder and Lonnie mm. Walker so that's what you're matching it up against and because yeah. Spurs are so good at like you said with recruitment and drafting people just expect that the next person is just going to automatically fill that role. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Um, but on the on the other hand, great performances from your bench. The depth is really good. Rudy Gay has played really well this season. Paddy Mills also played yeah, really Paddy. well. Um, those players, like I'd happily have them in my in my team. Uh, Philly needs more more help. 
from the bench side of things. So, yeah. Uh, I think Patty Mills is such a, a good bench player because he brings so much energy. He's such a, a good team player. You get those, um, you know, obviously uh, pick and roll threes. And obviously he knows the system so well. He's been with the Spurs for I'm, I don't know how many years. That's Waving his towel. In the potential seasons, he's been at he's been at Spurs for for a decade now, yeah. For a decade, oh my god, yeah, unbelievable. So yeah, definitely a a very good uh, bench player, um, and that will definitely could help your Sixers at the moment. Without Joel Embiid. Yeah, Ben. Let's say Ben is dropping forty-two every night. That's definitely not happening. Uh, Yeah. Ed, should we get to the fun bit? Yes, uh, so I'm not sure if you've seen previous episodes of Fans Corner. Um, we like to have a little 24-second shot clock. He's looking shit so, right now. He's looking yeah, okay, so <laughs> he's, he's either a Leo DiCaprio-style actor and just completely acting like he's got no idea what's going on or genuinely has no idea what's going on. Um, okay. So I'm going to give you a category. It's going to be a San Antonio Spurs-based category, and you have 24 seconds to name as many things within that category. I would want you to name the top 30 players from this specific category. If you guess okay. any player from 25 to 30, you get an offensive rebound. So it's a 24-second mm-hmm. shot clock. If you say anyone from the bottom five of that list, you'll get another 14 seconds, so it'll turn into 38. And when I say go... I will go call ahead. out the offensive rebounds, of course. So that's why okay. I'm getting the list. But yeah. Okay. Okay. So I'll say the list, and then you just... Sh- and then I'll say three, two, one. Go. You'll just shout out the players. I'll write them down, and then at right. the end, we'll see how many players you get. Yeah. The go. category is Spurs all-time points leaders. We want the top okay. thirty. Not bad. And for a reference, the player in thirtieth has got roughly two thousand seven hundred points. Your twenty-four second okay. shot clock starts now. Okay, Timmy, Tony, Manu, um, Kawhi, Lamarcus Aldridge, Avery Johnson, David Robinson, George Gervin, Patty Mills. Bruce Bowen has been there for a while. Um, uh, you do have an offensive rebound, by the way. I'm not sure why Alex didn't say I do. De- Danny Green, yeah. probably there. Uh, Sean Elliott. Um, uh, Larry Keenan, I think, was one. Mike Mitchell, for sure. Uh, Patty Mills, did I say? Maybe already said. Come on, you... Truly smashed it. I'm not sure if it's deserving of five rings, but maybe one of them. We could get you a ring somehow. Um, you got 14 players right in 24 seconds in an offensive rebound of, of the top 30 scorers in Spurs history. Um, and I'd like to thank myself and Alex and the six men. would like to thank you for taking the time to tell us a little bit about your story. Really interesting story um, going from European hoops to US hoops and your NBA fandom and a bit of history about the Spurs. And yeah, I'd like to thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Made OU proud and France. So well done, man. (laughs) Right, peace. Peace out.